This is the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose, where I strategize with business owners on how to grow and scale their businesses to hit their income goals. This is episode 209 of the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose. Today, I am jumping into five steps for self-publishing a cookbook with Jason Logsdon. Now, Jason is offering you a freebie that I want to make sure that you grab. He's giving you an email course that actually links to videos that are going to walk you through the self-publishing steps. So you're going to want to make sure that you take the time to hop over to the show notes and grab that freebie. Now, I also, you're going to hear me talk about how I also, of course, have self-published my own book. And I want to make sure that I talk about the fact that it is still out there, obviously, for you to purchase. If you haven't already grabbed it, please make sure. I'd love it if you did. You can get it. Influencer Entrepreneurs. We have it at JennyMelrose.com forward slash book. And make sure that you grab the free workbook that goes along with it. All right, you guys, let's dive in. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to talk about self-publishing. I know that my audience has been wondering about this. I went through the process, obviously, myself recently with my first book, Influencer Entrepreneurs. Um, But I really, really am excited to talk about this from the standpoint of self-publishing a cookbook. Because as we know, I have a lot of food bloggers that like to listen to the podcast. But before we dive into that, will you introduce yourself and your businesses? Sure. I'm uh, Jason Logston. I originally got my start blogging as Amazing Food Made Easy, and it's a focus on sous vide cooking, modernist cooking. I kind of took those high-end restaurant techniques that chefs have been refining and showed you how you could apply them in your own kitchen with very little effort to kind of blow your friends and family's minds. And then I was doing that for about eight years, and I explored a lot of different types of revenue. I wasn't a big fan of the work on SEO and then rely on ads. I like creating products. I like creating services. So I dabbled in iPhone apps and printable cheat sheets and uh, self-publishing cookbooks, traditionally publishing cookbooks, video courses, teaching hands-on classes online or in person, all these different ways of kind of adding different revenue streams to, to my business. And I realized that as I did this more and more, and I started going to food blogger conferences and talking to people that a lot of bloggers really don't treat their blogs as businesses necessarily. And that was something that stood out to me. So over the last year and a half, I created a website called Make That Bacon. And that's all about helping bloggers better serve their fans to increase their revenue and get the most out of their blogs. And just kind of share a little bit of what I've done to to other bloggers out there who are trying to find other ways to make money and kind of build a sustainable source of income. Yes. And you also have a podcast that goes along with that. So we want to make sure that we share that because podcast listeners will jump from podcast to podcast, which we absolutely love. And the theme of your podcast is? Uh, Making Bacon. And you can find that at makethatbacon.com slash podcast or on any podcast uh, services. Perfect. Now, one of the things that I know that you left out when you were talking about your self-publishing was the number of books that you have self-published because you recently came in as an expert into my membership site. And I was floored with how many self-publishing books you had. So please share. 
So I've self-published, I think it's 12 or 13 cookbooks at this point. I self-published a book on self-publishing, because if you're talking about self-publishing, you have to put out a book for self-publishing. And then I've traditionally published two books. Okay. Amazing. Um, and I think too, for a lot of people, self-publishing is kind of scary, especially I think as a food blogger, a lot of times they're going to want to get that traditional cookbook. And then when they do the traditional cookbooks, they're like, well, was it worth all of this time that I spent on this traditional cookbook when maybe they don't see the income directly coming in right away because it's their first book. Uh, but when it comes to self-publishing a cookbook, what is the biggest fear that you've found holds people back? I found that there's two real main fears that people tend to use as excuses time and time again. The one I think is a common theme that I'm sure you've heard a lot when you talk about creating products and services. And that's that people don't feel like an expert. They have this self-doubt and they say, well, yeah, maybe I have you know, 5,000 or 50,000 or 500,000 monthly visitors to my site, but I'm not an expert. There's people out there that know more than, than I do. So I'm not going to put out a book. And you're partially correct that there are a lot of people and know more than you out there. But the flip side is your fans think you're an expert. And this isn't some sort of smoke and mirrors. It's that if you write about for beginning bakers and you're just a real strong intermediate baker, you are an expert to those beginning bakers. It doesn't matter that there's amazing other bakers out there that know more than you. That's not who who your fans are turning to. So look at, at, at your fans. And if you're an expert to them, believe in yourself that you have the knowledge and expertise to put out a book or a video course or any other type of service. Yes, I 100% agree. All you really need to be is two steps ahead, right, of our audience. And that makes us an expert because we know a bit more than they do. And hopefully, we can teach it to them. I was going to say, and honestly, a lot of times that's a better position to be. I'm in the sous vide space and I I do a lot of conversations with like Crea, who does Starbucks egg bites. You know, they consult with 80% of the two and three star Michelin restaurants in the world. Like they are insane experts at sous vide cooking. They know more than they've forgotten, you know, more than I'll ever, ever know about it. But when I talk to someone that doesn't know how to sous vide, generally they like what I have to say better because I remember what it's like to be there. They've been doing it for almost 50 years now. They have forgotten what it's like to be a beginner. And I know very, that was only eight years ago that I was a beginner in sous vide. I still know what people are looking for and how to communicate with them, which is a benefit of not being top of the, you know, the end of the, the uh, expertise spectrum. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. And I think that's too, like anytime I try to talk to people about create your avatar, think about your person, like who are you talking to? And I always try to say it's you five years ago, because that's probably more or less where you've started to learn what you've become an expert in and what it is that you're now trying to share and help solve a problem for those people. So love it. And the other, the other big thing that holds people back is a, a fear, a lack of knowing how to publish. It's a big, hairy process with a lot of moving parts. And people look at that and go, eh, I don't understand this. I, I don't have time to figure this out. I don't want to figure it out. And so they, they put it on the back burner or never get to it just because there is a lot of moving parts that they don't. There's no easy answers for. And we'll talk about some of the resources I have later. But there's it's hard to find a straightforward way of explaining what goes into self-publishing a book of any kind. 
Yes. And I think that for me was the biggest hurdle was getting past. I don't know how this works. Um, and because of where I was in my business, I was, I sought out a resource that could help me and say, okay, this is the next step and this is the next step. Um, so I'm really excited that you get to be that resource for all of our food bloggers that want to self publish cookbooks. Um, it's a little bit different and I almost feel like it's a little, could be a little bit harder than it is to do what you think of as like a traditional self-published book like mine, where it was just kind of a lot of writing, no pictures, no recipes, nothing like that. Um, So yes, I'm excited to definitely dive into this. So let's walk through the steps for self-publishing. What's first? The first step is you need to know what your goal is. And this is both why are you publishing a cookbook? Are you trying to make money? Or do you have an idea that you want to spread? Are you trying to market yourself? But also, what are you trying to accomplish with your book? What problem are you trying to solve? Who are you trying to solve it for? You know, what type of information is going to be in this book? And this applies to cookbooks, um, regular books, traditionally published or self-published. You need to know what your goals are and what the goals of your book is. And figuring that out is going to set the stage for the next six to 12 months of what you're going to be working on. So you have to spend time on this step. You can't just kind of jump over it. I think so many people probably try to skip that step too. They try to skip that step with everything. I feel like when it comes to business, right? Well, they'll always say, well, what product do I create? And like, well, what are we trying to accomplish? Like you just said, what problem are you trying to solve? Um, So I love that you started there. Okay. What's next? The next one is to write your book. I like to say one simple sentence, six to 12 months of, of constant effort. It's, it's a very easy conceptual step. You just write and create all the content for your book. If it's a cookbook, that's also recipes and photographs, probably all of that content that your expertise um, is bringing to the table. And it is a ton of, ton of work, a ton of time and effort, uh, especially if you're doing it from scratch. Um, but it's it's the most important step in what people are going to remember. Like you can have the best subject in the world, but if you put out a mediocre product or you don't fulfill the promises you make, no one's going to give you good reviews. No one's going to suggest you to your friends, and it's uh, it's going to hurt you more than it is that is going to help you. Yes. So since we're right here, before we go to the next step, do you feel like there's ways that you can get find that extra time to write it? Are there any like a tip you could give to finding the extra time? Yep. I'd say there's three main ways that you can make, for lack of a better term, make yeah. time to do a book. The first is I talked to somebody that um, they're newer to blogging and they said, I don't have a lot of content yet. So I'm a little nervous about how I can create a, a book at the same time. And I said, what you should do is as you're starting your blog and you're making progress here, think about what you want your book to be. And then you can start overlapping the recipes for your book, the contents for your book with what you're creating for your blog. So it could be just one out of every four recipes on your blog is a recipe that's also going to go in your book. It could be that you know that you're, you know, um, say your book's on vegetables and maybe your blog is focusing a little bit more around the main courses, make sure that when you take pictures of that turkey with a side, that that side is something that is going to be in your cookbook. Love it. So you're kind of doubling up your work. So that's one way to do it. Another way is if you've been blogging for a while, just use recipes that are on your blog. 
if you are upfront with your fans and with your readers, no one's going to care. Don't say, here's a hundred brand new recipes from me. Say, here's a hundred of my favorite recipes that I put out over the last five years or 10 years of blogging. You're upfront. A lot of people don't want to go to your site, go to your search bar, click through, try to find something like that's a that's a hassle. People like cookbooks. They like having something in their hand that they can hold and have in the kitchen with them. They're not getting you know flour and simple syrup all over their computers and laptops. It makes things a lot easier. So if you package it together in a format that they want, it's a great way to just take existing content and almost have to create no new content in a lot of cases to get out your first book or two. And those two methods work really well for uh, self-publishing because self-publishing, you can reuse 100% of your content. You have you own all the rights. You own everything. For traditional publishing, a lot of times your contract stipulates that it has to be new content. So then you have to actually create time. And the easiest way to do that is to do less. I was talking to uh, Chelsea Cole from A Duck's Oven, and the way that she phrased it, which I loved, was that food bloggers have to remember that they can't do everything. They can do anything, but you can't do everything. So maybe you post once or twice, like if say you post twice a week on your blog, maybe for the next six months, you post once a week and that's it. And you use that time to work on your book. And yeah, your blog's not expanding as fast as it would if you're doing twice as much work on it. But the work that's going in your cookbook is going to amplify your results down the road. So it's going to pay off in the long term. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And for me, tip wise, I would say, put it in your calendar. Make it a priority. Maybe that's the first thing you do when you start your day. If if you don't put it into your calendar to actually sit down and do it, you're not going to do it. And I think for me, I was just writing. Um, I didn't have to shoot any recipes or anything like that. But I put it into my calendar every day I started my morning with I needed to write a chapter. And then I would just sit and that's what I would do for that hour, 45 minutes, whatever it turned out for me to write that. Um, one chapter in particular. So making the time and knowing and holding yourself accountable, I think is a piece of it too. Yep. I agree completely with that. And it is, it's really scary if you look at it and say, I'm going to put out a 200 page book and it needs to have 150 recipes. And I always, I recommend people hear me say this all the time, but I recommend starting small, put out a smaller, you know, 80 to hundred page book that might have 30 or 40 recipes. It's a lot more manageable, but even if you're doing that big book, it's a lot easier if you say like, I'm going to write one recipe every day or like every other day, set yourself something that, um, is manageable. And that's what I did. I was like, I want to put this book out. I'm going to write one recipe a day and I will photograph down the road. But this is one recipe is manageable. It's writing it. It's not photographing. It's not testing. Like I can do that. And I'm sure you've experienced this when you sat down to write a single chapter. What happens more often than not once you force yourself to sit down and start writing? Close. And you go into the next that one. Yep. 100%. I love it. Okay. So now we have the book written. What's next? It's basically distribution. And this includes both formatting the book because you have it written. You can write this in Microsoft Word. I do my writing now in Google Docs, even for a, a cookbook that there's so many different formats you put your book out in. It can be a print book. It'd be Kindle, iTunes, Nook, an ebook. And each format is different. I have a Kindle Paperwhite that's black and white and has almost no formatting. If you just dump a cookbook 
design and style into that, it's going to look horrible. So you normally have to format them specifically. So I suggest that writing stage, write in whatever is easiest for you to write in, get the content together, don't let the tool hold you back. And then you can move forward for the design stage, the layout stage. Um, InDesign is a classic program for printed cookbooks and you put together, um, format it however you want. I suggest going simple unless you are a creative designer, um, a graphic designer. This is in your blood. It is not in my blood. I went through the cookbooks that I love, the cookbooks that I use and actually cook from all the time and said, what of this can I take and apply to my own style? My books are very simple, which doesn't mean they're not professional. They look professional, but they're not filled with all these kind of flourishes that can go wrong. It reminds me of shooting um, food photography. Like if you have a set table with an overhead shot and you have 30 different things on that table, it is so hard to get that composition and layout because one thing affects everything else. Where if it's just a simple, well-composed dish with, you know, one main, a side and some, you know, highlights of color, it's a lot easier to compose. And it's the same thing for me for doing cookbooks. So you just uh, get that design and formatting out and then you get it to the people that are going to distribute it for you. Um, and for print books, that's normally going to be a company that's a print on demand printer like Amazon KDP or um, Ingram Spark are the two main ones. Okay. All right. Yes. Um, and when it comes, the other thing that, so the tech side, when we're talking about if you don't know how to do InDesign or you don't know how to do formatting, um, where would you suggest going to try to find someone that does? I think it's like a lot of things as food bloggers. You should look at where you want to go in the long term. Um, I taught myself how to do all of that because I looked at it after my first cookbook. I was like, I'm not spending money on my first cookbook. It was an 80-page book. It was black and white. I was like, I'm just getting this out there to experiment. And it worked really, really well. So I was like, okay, I enjoyed that process. I'm going to put out a lot more cookbooks. So I'm going to learn the process. And it's just like if you start shooting videos, do you outsource your video editing or do you do it yourself? And it comes down to what do you like doing and are you going to be doing this long term a lot? And for me, I was. So I taught myself it. Um, if you're not going to do it, you can find people on Fiverr or Upwork, um, any of those places that you can find freelancers. Talk to other people that have self-published and find out who they got designed for. Um, I'm creating a, a community around um, self-publishers. I know Sally Eckes has a community around cookbook authors. There's resources out there that you can say, hey, who did you use? Did you like them? And they can recommend people. And that's where if you save the design for the end, I think it's pretty valuable because you can go to a designer and you say, here's my manuscript. Here's the, you know, the photos I have. Here's some examples of the styles that I like. Help put this together for me. And it's going to be a lot less expensive than if, if you just give them a blanket. I need a cookbook design and then all the going back and forth. Right. Yes. I love the suggestions that you have. I do feel like a referral can go so much farther too, because you have, you can see what they've done. You can have a better idea of what the turnout will be. I feel like I've done that with actually who did my, um, my podcast stuff. That's passed that on to multiple clients because they're like, well, this looks so great. How, who does this? Do you do this? Mm, something that we hire out. Um, so yes, getting a referral is so important. Um, last step. The last step is to market it. A lot of people get the book out there, whether it's self or traditional published, 
you get it out there and you're like, great, I'm done. And it's like, no, you are just starting. I know you are huge on launches and how important they are to pretty much any product. And if you're getting something on Amazon, it's, I would say, 10 times more important than a normal launch. Like when I put out my my video course, a launch was good to build up buzz and there's all the value in that. But long-term, it wasn't increasing buzz. Where on Amazon, if you have a huge launch to start with, Amazon takes note and they say, ooh, this is a book that we might want to promote. We're going to put this at the top of our search results. We might include you in a newsletter that we send out weekly. Like there's all these benefits of bringing in new new fans, new readers, if you have a successful launch, um, and then just continuing to push it over time and talk about it continually. So everyone keeps buying it um, and new fans come in and new fans are buying it. Then you kind of keep that going. Yes. I think sometimes people kind of stall on the marketing often, no matter what the product is. And I think I've even been known to do that myself. I'm like, I've talked about it so much. I don't need to talk about it anymore. Um, But you do. You just need to keep letting people know because people are coming to you that may be new, that didn't know you had that cookbook out there. So always remembering to bring that back up and make it part of the marketing. I love that. Um, if you look at your if you look at your search traffic on Google, like what percent of users coming in are new users to your site? It's in almost every case, it's a high percent of people coming to your site that have never been there before. So it might feel weird on every page saying, hey, if you like this recipe, I have a cookbook with a lot of recipes similar to this on every page on your site. Because you're like, my fans already know and they're sick of this. But most of the people on your site aren't your fans yet. And they're just learning about you, learning what you have. So make sure you highlight the different products that you have to just inform them. Because if they love what what you're offering, there's a good chance they're going to want to get more from you. Yes. No, I totally agree and love that suggestion. So... You have a freebie that kind of walks people through all of this. Can you talk a little bit about that, Jason? Yep. There's so many components that go into self-publishing. And I put together a big course about it with like 40 different videos that allows people to really dive into a lot of information. But a lot of people aren't ready to pull the trigger on a course, and especially if they don't know me yet. And so what I did is I took what I thought were the seven most important videos from that course that from the beginning where it sets the stage up through some of the the intricacies of like what you need at the front of your book, the table of contents and the copyright page and all these different things that you always just flip through in the book, but you never actually look at. You need to make sure you put them in your book um, up through the marketing and some of the promotion. And I picked what I thought was a good video that kind of highlighted some of the important facts there. And I put them together in a free email course that you get one video a day for a week. And it kind of steps you through and will help give you an overview of both the publishing process, but also the self-publishing process. I love it. So we are going to make sure that we link to that in the show notes. It is at makethatbacon.com forward slash publishing made easy, all one word. But again, you can just click through to the show notes and we will have that linked in there as well. Uh, Jason, where are the best places to connect with you? You can find me on uh, my website's really good, makethatbacon.com. Uh, also on Facebook, if you look up uh, Making Bacon, and I'm also on Instagram under Make That Bacon. Um, 
you can find me on all those. Just uh, shoot me a message. And I love talking self-publishing. I love trying to help people move forward, whether you're looking at cookbooks or you're looking at uh, other types of books. Cookbooks are the are the more complicated kind of sibling in this. So I can help people that um, are looking for business books or you know how-to books. And I love talking about this and helping people move forward. So if you have questions, don't hesitate to reach out. And I'm always happy to share my knowledge. Perfect. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your knowledge with my audience. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. I always have a great time hanging out and talking. Of course. All right. Well, there you have it. Clearly, Jason is so knowledgeable when it comes to self-publishing, especially when it comes to self-publishing a cookbook. There is no one else in the industry that is talking about how to do a cookbook. And not only is he an expert as far as done it for himself, 12 to 13 times, but he also is a great teacher and can show you exactly how to go about creating this for yourself. As always, I appreciate you guys so much for listening in. If you are out for a walk or you are just listening in on the podcast as you're traveling, shoot me a screenshot, put it up on Instagram stories, tag me at Jenny underscore Melrose. And of course, you can also tag Jason at Macon Bacon. I, I appreciate you so much. If you also have not left a review yet, why not? I would so appreciate it if you took the time to do it. Leave a rating and review in iTunes helps me find great guests and continues to be able to help others that didn't know that the podcast was out there. All right, you guys, until next time, I will see you all then. 